inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to this Thursday edition of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host each day on the show, and it's so good to be with you. It's a blessing to be with you here on this Thursday edition of AFA at the Core. Once again, my name is Walker Wildman. Do not forget to, or please rather, check out our website, AFR.net. Our website is AFR.net. If you want to download our app, we have that available as well. And the good thing is, is we don't just have an app for your phone, but we also have apps available on, uh, for example, your Apple TV or your Roku device and many other uh, uh, places and channels we have our app available. So go there uh, wherever you uh, listen to podcasts or download your apps, type in American Family Radio and uh, download it so you can listen at your convenience. And of course, you can always subscribe to my podcast Wherever you listen to podcasts, just type in AFA at the core or my name, Walker Wildman, and you can subscribe to the show and listen at your convenience. So we try to make it as as, as convenient as possible for our supporters out there and the public to uh, keep up with what's going on and keep up with the show AFA at the core. The name of the show, AFA at the core, uh, is called AFA at the core because we try to focus on the core values of American Family Association which is the parent ministry of American Family Radio. So that's the the intention behind the name of the show, AFA at the Core, is to bring attention to the core values of American Family Association. Some of those are evangelism and discipleship, sanctity of human life, and religious liberty. That's three of our six, and you can go to our website, afa.net, to check out our mission, vision, and core values. Jumping right into the show, our uh, verse of the week is Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I love how God says not only will he uphold us, but he will uphold us with his righteous hand. God is righteous. God is good. And so that's out of Isaiah 41.10. That's our scripture verse for the week. Texas had some uh, good things going on in Texas this past probably month or two. Two laws have passed and, and uh, two laws have, have gone through the legislature and been signed by the governor in Texas. One of them uh, happened in May, just a couple months ago, and this is a heartbeat bill law. This law says that Whenever whenever a heartbeat begins, typically around five to six weeks, sometimes a little longer, uh, the child cannot be aborted, cannot be killed, cannot be murdered. The child must live. That's what the Texas law says. So as soon as a heartbeat is detected, the um, the child is 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 protected as soon as a heartbeat is detected. So that's a good bill in Texas. And as we all know, let me be clear. Life begins at conception. 
Human life begins at conception. Human life does not just begin when there is a heartbeat. Human life begins at conception. And I even talked about this. Uh, I've talked about this before, but you know, you look up. I think I covered this one of my first shows here uh, last week. The the definition of a fetus and the definition of a child. When you look at the scientific um, studies and the scientific papers on this, and the medical papers, um, they all describe human life as beginning at conception. I mean, that's when everything's counted. When they, when you are, when your your wife um, is pregnant, when a mom becomes pregnant, uh, the doctors, everything, all their basis for the uh, uh, predicting the age of the child and how far along you are in a pregnancy is based on when they were conceived. Uh, so everyone, uh, the medical scientific community, all they all recognize, whether they know it or not, what Scripture says and that life begins at conception. And any, any legislation, any law that is aimed at protecting human life should be, uh, should be lauded and should be affirmed. I'm going to play clip six here. This is a local Dallas, Texas news report out of WNLL about the heartbeat bill that passed and became law uh, just in May of 2021, a few months ago, clip six, let's listen. It's called the Heartbeat Bill, which was passed by the Senate in the spring, and it was approved by the House on Thursday. There's no bill like this been passed anywhere in the country. Joe Poyman is and pro-life is and the executive director the for Texas is, Alliance. Individuals can sue an abortion doctor and can sue anyone who helps to have an abortion, aid and abets the crime of abortion. Poyman says the point of the heartbeat bill is to protect the unborn child when a heartbeat is detected as early as six weeks. That means that the father of the unborn child, the mother of the unborn child, the grandparents of the unborn child, actually anybody in the state of Texas could sue. Supporters are calling the heartbeat bill the most pro-life bill since Roe versus Wade. Well, there you have it. That's a portion of a clip out of a local uh, news outlet there in Dallas, Texas. Pretty favorable coverage there. And then the reporter went on to uh, interview someone who's in favor of baby killing. So I cut that clip uh, or that part of the clip out. This law will go into effect September 1st. Yeah, September 1st, 2021, that law will be active, be current. It'll be in effect and uh, able to be enforced there in Texas. Uh, Another story uh, out of Texas, another pro-life. And this just a pro-life story. This just happened this week. Uh, Texas, under a special session, just passed a... Roe versus Wade, what's called a Roe v. Wade trigger law. And what it does is it sets in place, uh, should Roe versus Wade be overturned by the Supreme Court, uh, abortion will be 100% completely outlawed in the state of Texas when or if that should happen. So that's good news. And it's good to be proactive. It's good to see these conservative states be proactive and, and get ahead of this, and should Roe versus Wade be overturned, uh, that in the state of Texas, abortion would be completely illegal from conception all the way through natural birth. And uh, 10 other states have done the same thing. 10 other states across the country have implemented what's called the Roe v. Wade trigger laws that would completely outlaw abortion should Roe versus Wade be overturned at the Supreme Court. Another story I want to transition to here is out of California. And um, for those who keep up with what's going on in California, man, California, 
they really have their priorities out of order, their values out of order from a government standpoint and from a cultural standpoint in California. Well, this was a, a tragic situation back in 2020 where a couple that was celebrating their the sex of their child, the gender of their child, they were having a reveal party, which many people do. Uh, their party ended up, uh, what they did is they lit something uh, celebrating it, and it, it started a wildfire there in California. The wildfire ended up spreading uh, over 22,000 acres, and it destroyed 20 buildings and injured 13 people. The reason I bring this up is because this couple is being, uh, they are being charged with manslaughter charges uh, because a firefighter tragically lost his life fighting that wildfire there in California. This couple's name, I'll just read directly from the story so you get all the information. Uh, Refugio Manuel Jimenez Jr. Jimenez Jr. and Angela Renee Jimenez, so a husband and wife here. They have been charged with involuntary manslaughter for allegedly sparking California's El Dorado fire in September of 2020, according to the New York Post. The couple pleaded not guilty to the felony charges, to the felony charge of involuntary manslaughter along with the 29 related charges brought against him. The couple was hosting a gender reveal party in the El Dorado Ranch Park, according to officials, when they allegedly ignited a smoke bomb, which sparked the fire. Authorities went on to say that the couple at the time called 911 and they frantically used water bottles to try to douse the flames. And, of course, that didn't work. The fire spread... As I mentioned, 22,000 acres were burned, and uh, one firefighter tragically lost his life. My, my angle here is probably an interesting one for some of you, but, you know, this couple is, their life has been turned upside down because of, of what happened there, of that wildfire, them unintentionally starting a wildfire. But... They're being held legally, criminally liable for what happened there. But when you look at the way the state of California handles their forest management or the, the lack thereof, the question I have is, should that be criminal? Should, that, should they be liable? The state government. This goes back years and years, and this is not a secret in California about the, the terrible forest management system in place in California. This goes back, I'm reading from a Hill article, thehill.com, in 2018. This is, a, this is an article that goes back to 2018. This is an opinion piece from a lady by the name of Catherine Dwyer. But she talks about how she's from California. She's an avid hiker. She goes on to say that as an avid hiker who's trekked across my home state, talking about California, I've experienced firsthand the irresponsible way in which our wooded areas are managed. From the Ventana Wilderness in Big Sur to Warner Valley and Mount Lazen, trails are overgrown and bordered by rotting trunks and dry limbs. When trees fall, instead of the dead wood being cleared, it's left to decompose along the paths and roadways. Underbrush is left untouched as well with forest floors blanketed into dry kindling. 
This hands-off approach creates a literal tinderbox, she says, leaving our forest incredibly vulnerable. She goes on to say one practical solution, and this is when you talk about mismanagement, this is what they're not doing. One practical solution, which would likely cost less than $100 billion, which is much less than what they're spending in the name of trying to prevent wildfires, would be to clear the dead wood and dry brush. Additionally, greater fire breaks, meaning fire lanes where you separate uh, two wood lines, should be made along roads and highways, limiting a fire's ability to spread. If these solutions sound simple, that's because they are, she says. Despite a stated policy of, quote, changing the environment by removing or reducing heat source, end quote, Cal Fire, which is uh, the entity that handles uh, all the fire regulations and the forest management, continues to allow our forests to develop dangerous amounts of dry material that is fuel. And so California here, the state of California, their government has, has done a terrible job managing their forest. And they're not clearing out this underbrush all in the name of being green, right? Of being tree huggers and loving the environment, which who doesn't love the environment, right? But if this couple is going to go to jail for lighting a smoke bomb at a gender reveal party and accidentally starting a wildfire, then shouldn't the California government be open for lawsuits and criminal charges for the lack of management in their forest? I mean, one of the basic uh, functions of a forest management agency in a state or nationally is to take preventative steps to manage wildfires and natural disasters. And these, even these electric companies, PG&E and others in California, I'm not saying they don't have their own problems, but they're having to cut off and have blackouts in California because their power lines are shooting off sparks starting wildfires because the forest management agency won't clean up their forest. And now these power companies are having to pay billions and millions of dollars in damages when wildfires start, all because the state government won't do its job when it comes to forest management. So if, if this couple goes to jail and is able to face charges, so should the state forest agency. We'll be back in a few minutes. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Anyone notice a pattern here? Grace, mercy, and love all require truth. It is unloving to conceal or sidestep truth. Often, people avoid truth and use love as a justification, when in reality, their truth aversion is a self-preservation tactic. You cannot claim to love someone and simultaneously affirm them in a lie. The absence of truth nullifies the application of grace. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
last few days I've been talking to you about what would happen if the United States of America was weakened by critical race theory or actually ceased to exist as a nation. I want you to do a little experiment with me. I want you to close your eyes and think for a moment about what the world would look like without the United States of America as a powerful force. Without America, evil people in the world would run rampant as they have in the past, and they would run rampant now and in the future. Without America, Germany would have won World War I. The Kaiser was not Hitler, but a 20th century dominated by Imperial Germany would have been no walk in the park. Then, of course, without America, the Germans and the Japanese would have won World War II, which would have ushered in what Churchill called a new dark age. And without America, the last half of the 20th century would have been dominated by the evil empire of the Soviet Union, which would have had terrible repercussions for both freedom, human dignity, and the people of the world. If we allow our founding institutions to be undermined, we will see America diminish or cease to exist. This would be a tragedy for the innocent people of the world. Without America, bad people will get up to bad things, and there'll be no one to stop them. Up until now, since the end of World War II, if bad people want to do bad things, they have to ask themselves, if we do this, will the Americans come? If they no longer have to ask themselves that question, we're in for a terrible, terrible period for the innocent people of the world, and the bad people will get up to more and more nefarious stuff. America is a country, but it's also a cause, and the cause is human freedom. We cannot be the policemen of the whole world, but when America can make a difference, it needs to make a difference. And if the force of America is not there as a moral force for good, the world will become a far more dangerous and evil place. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show. I'm Walker Wildman, host of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio. Check out our website, AFR.net. Download the AFR app and subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, on your Apple Android device or even on Spotify, you can subscribe to AFA at the Core podcast. In studio with me each Tuesday and Thursday during the second segment is my brother, Wesley Wildman, Vice President of Outreach here at AFA. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back. Is it too soon to start the poll of which person they like better between Walker and I, you our know, audience? I think it's never too soon for that, Okay. Wesley. I, not um, that that would start a divide or any type of uh, malice. All or good fun. All uh, yeah, good there you go. All in good fun. <laughs> I'm totally well, kidding. I'm glad know, to be but, back. But we have, uh, I will say we can do that now because uh, <laughs> I have the tabulation machine rigged. <laughs> okay. Um, that makes to, sense. It's weighted to where I right. went either way. Well, so, you know, you know, and I never gave a, I never gave a specific. I mean, we could talk about hair. We could talk about what well, shirt. I mean, I obviously have the best shirt on today. Yeah. For those that are watching, I got the AFA radio logo shirt. voice personality. Yeah. yeah. All of I, the I above. Don't think there's any argument there? <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely a company man. Yeah. I, I'm glad to be here, Walker. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Uh, th- there's a story that you sent me this morning out of the Federalist, and it's talking about these uh, drag queen story hours that are going on across the country and thankfully didn't seem that they're happening as much as they were last year. That's right. Um, but these are, these are very wicked, um, settings and events that children are going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, and for those that are listening, if you've got young ears or if you've got children or if you just have a weak stomach, 
um, go ahead and tune off here because and if I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get through this. Um, I just about threw up in my in my stomach and my mouth when I was reading this. This is this is disgusting. Nonetheless, um, I think at times we've got to cover some of this stuff only for the purpose of you understanding that this is a real thing. This sure. is not when you see a, a a billboard with what with the title Drag Queen Story Hours. I want to let you know that and and a and a bright colorful picture of a person that appears to be a female that's actually male, You would, sometimes you can't even tell the difference. I want to read what you're getting into here. And the title of this, and I, I don't know how far I'm going to get into this. I'm going to do the best I can yeah. because it's pretty gross. But um, anyways, the name of the title of the uh, article that we're reading from says, I went to Drag Queen Story Hour in Washington, D.C. so that you did not have to go, which is the reason I wanted to share this with us today. So, um... Uh, just to set to kind of set the stage a little bit, Adams Morgan Drag Queen Story Hour is the name of this particular event that this gentleman went to, and Adams Morgan's partnership, the Lynn Hotel and DC Public Library Library is the they they came to, all three of them working together to pull this off. Uh, keep that in mind too. When there's a Drag Queen Story Hour, a lot of the times it's done at a local library. Sometimes these uh, places. Sometimes these, uh, this company here, uh, Adams Morgan Partnership, they will also rent out hotels and other places in order to pull this off. So the name of the lady that I couldn't quite find the pronunciation of her name, but it's Katie Mashin, or Katie Mashin, but she goes by Katie Magician. Yeah. And this is what you're going to get into uh, for those that end up uh, accidentally at the uh, Drag Queen Story Hour, hopefully None of our listening audience or anybody gets there on purpose because Please. it is sick. <laughs> Please stay away. It is sick. Um, here you go. Her performance. This is an. Uh, this is the person that went to there on our behalf for people that wanted to know what what this is going on. They wrote this as a response. Her meaning the drag queen. Her performance included dancing in stockings with a piece of green cake falling off her costumes, uh, singing shirtless with a duct tape around her breast. As it touched her forehead, dancing with black thong around her thighs and laying down what appears to be a fake blank yeah. across her mouth. Okay, I'm gonna stop there. That goes on for about three par- about two or three paragraphs. The yeah, reason- that, that was that was teetering on R rated. Yes. Yeah. So we're gonna stop there, but what I'm saying is what I just described there was for children. Right. That's I mean, you know, that's that's No, I'm I'm glad you brought this in and we did we did give our listeners a warning there, but this is this is wicked. This is yep. this is sick. It's grotesque. Yeah, this is this is this is Romans one type stuff. Yep, absolutely. And what 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 is what is happening here, folks? Is our culture, our society, and the godless, the pagans, they are sexualizing our young children. Yeah, and they're doing this in many ways. They're doing it in the school system through different sex ed programs. Uh, but this drag queen story hour is absolutely disgusting. They're bringing in transgender individuals to read stories to our children and do performances like this. And so, just, And just to paraphrase here, drag, drag queen story hours is essentially when creepy adults spend time with their children indoctrinating them on controversial theories about sex and diversity. And this actually first started in 2015 in San Francisco. How ironic is that? San Francisco was where this originated. And the form, the first one that ever performed was a former prostitute and i don't know if y'all remember this but in houston texas a couple of years back it was maybe 2019 
there was at least two uh, sex. They they were former or they had a sex offended record, and yeah, they they're, they're registered sex. They're, yeah, they were registered sex offenders in Houston, Texas, and they were and and the, and the library knowingly knew that. Gave them permission to be a part of their Jack Wayne story. Yeah, they they, they were the ones reading the stories yep. there, reading in, the stories there in Texas. So yeah, well, think about that for a second. I mean, I mean, like that's not a better place for uh, sex offenders to sign up for a job. I mean, come on, like we got to be more cautious than that. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is going on across the country, and this is one of the many ways that the left is 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 perverting the the hearts and the minds of children. And so you need, as a parent, need to be very, very aware of what's going on. And we're not just encouraging you to stay away. That's obvious. Yes. Stay far, far away from these events that are being held by these groups. Uh, but also make sure your city council, make sure your yep. mayor and your local officials right. know that this is not welcomed in your city. Mm-mm. The city council can can fully regulate uh, whether they're going to play any part in these type of events and whether they're going to endorse it, so on and so forth. So that needs to be uh, uh, on your radar as well. And w- Go ahead. Oh, one thing I wanted to point out, you, you got something for us, Bobby? Yeah, something yeah. really quick. I, I've seen a spot covered on this uh, at the Brooklyn Pu- Public Library in, in Brooklyn, New York, of course. And the scary thing that you actually see with all this is these little children – don't get there by themselves. They have to be yep. escorted That's by right. their parents. Uh, so there's a, another scary avenue that yep. uh, rises an ugly head there. That's yep. probably and and Bobby, I think to your point, that's even more disturbing for me. Amen. It's one thing if your child is compromised because they see a commercial. You know, or something on their phone, or, or they're trapped in a school classroom. Yeah, or they're at, at a classroom, and the the parents aren't there to regulate it, and and it catches, it gets through the cracks, if you will. Indeed. But this is parents leading their way, leading yeah. children into happily, darkness happily. Yeah, and so that you're right. That that's a sign of as a state of our culture. When we get to the the last uh, five minutes of this uh, segment, we will get into some positive news and some good news as a result. All right. In, in light of what we're discussing here. But before we get there, one thing, one other thing I wanted to point out in this particular conversation is there's two gentlemen that were asked. They, they were part of one. His name is Brian Barry, and he was asked, and the other gentleman was asked the same thing uh, that was responsible for coordinating this particular uh, drag queen story hour. He, this particular guy's a deputy director of Adam Morgan's partnership. I mentioned that at the beginning. They're responsible for coordinating these types of events. Well, listen to this. See if you notice anything, okay? Or see if he dodges anything. I dodged a question here. He says he was asked by the Federalist uh, reporter who went on our behalf and said, when asked if he thinks it's an appropriate event for young children, he said, this is something that the community embraces. <laughs> That's a non-answer. Right, okay. And the same thing happened by um, uh, George Williams. So George Williams is a spokesperson for that particular library, the D.C. library. Mm. Follow me here. This is what he was asked. He said in the statement of the Federalists, our goal is to connect with as many residents as possible in their communities. When he was asked, he declined any comments on whether the story hour was inappropriate for children or inappropriate in general. So, if two people who were at the head, two or the three people that that were at the head of coordinating this event, when asked by the Federalist Society, or by sorry, by the Federalist.com, a new a reporter there, mm-hmm. is this appropriate? All uh, two of the three that were asked 
all both of them declined to answer was his inappropriate. Yeah. You would think if you're putting something together and you were passionate about it and you were and it was something that you believed in and it's something that you were driven by, if you were asked, is it appropriate? You would be able to clearly answer. Oh, that. yeah, you yeah, think you wouldn't be even have to champion the cause. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know. So that's yeah. disturbing. Yeah, sure. this is folks and we have to be on guard as parents and as grandparents. Yes, grandparents play a critical role here, but the 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 media uh, whether it be Hollywood or the media outlets, the news outlets, the entertainment industry, your Netflixes of the world, they are slipping this in more and more. This is not just reserved to your local library once a year. This is going on now in commercials and in television shows and in, in different kind of series that are published on these different platforms. So you have to, we have to guard the hearts and the minds of our children and ourselves to know what is on the television in your home. Know what is on the device in your home so that this does not slip into the mind of your child. And before we get to your article, The Origins of the Family, I just want to remind our audience what you mentioned earlier. I found it. Uh, if you go to Drag, drag Queen, you don't have to go there. I went there for you. Drag, DragQueenStoryHour.com. It's the most popular website, and they tell you where their events are coordinated. To your point, and the good news is there's been a tremendous amount of pushback as this began to the point where there's not as frequent as they were. However, there is one in Raleigh, North Carolina. So if you're listening in the North Carolina area or Raleigh, North Carolina, July 25th, and there's one in Louisville, Kentucky on October the 23rd. So just keep that in mind for our listening audience. Yeah, if they come to your area, make sure you let your city hall, your mayor, your city council, your neighbors, everyone you know, your church know that this is objectionable, this is inappropriate, yep. and no one should attend. Rally your pastors up to sign a petition to, to give to your local officials for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the topic of uh, family and on the topic of what we just discussed, transitioning from there is the fact that that uh, Drag Queen Story Hour is not the origins of family, but we know what is the origins of family, and that's what we wanted to talk about today. Came across an article on afa.net slash design. That's afa.net slash by design. Came across an article to compliment the, or not to compliment, but to give uh, the juxtaposition to what we just discussed, and that's the origins of family. Walker, you wrote this. In fact, as I read it and I highlighted and wrote down some notes, I didn't realize it was your article until about, <laughs> until about, few, about afterwards. So I'm giving, I'm about to give you a whole lot of classic, credit. Classic, classic yes. brother. Yeah, there, you know, you know, read something good and not assume it's for me. Yeah, It'll be a part of my faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> but you did a great job here. Our audience needs to go check that out at afanet design. You said here that the family can see can be seen in two aspects, both marriage and parenthood. You know, that's something very important for us to remember that um, family is first originated far before you become a family. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, before you become before you have children. A family is, as you mentioned, as you pointed out here, is marriage in uh, its original state. Yeah. Then that becomes a family. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and the reason I wrote this blog, The Origins of Family, and I'll post it on my different social media pages after the show, is to bring us back to the foundation of marriage and family. Mm-hmm. Because society and culture often tries to stretch the definition of marriage and family to make it fit what they want it to be, sure. what what the world wants it to be. Uh, but marriage is rooted back in Genesis, back in creation between one man and one woman. And so it's important as we discuss 
marriage and family and the raising of children, um, that we that we focus that this is God's design. This is not something we can take. We can, uh, as Frank Turk says, steal from God. This is not something we can we can steal from God and then bend it and shape it and mold it into something we want it to be. Marriage is unique. It's created by God back in Genesis 1. I'll just read it, Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And that brings me to a point, Wesley, that is a little bit aside. It's a, this is an aside, but God created humans in his image. Mm. He did not create anything else on this, this earth in his image. And so, you know, we, we I see, you know, stories that really value, appear to value the lives of animals even more or equally to the lives sure. of humans. And That's you see exactly all right. these all these groups out there that are that are that are going after people for, you know, eating chicken or, right. or eating beef and, and all that, um, but we we can't lose our focus as a society that God created man in His image mm-hmm. to have dominion over all the animals and all the earth. That's exactly right. Uh, marriage is uh, is beautiful picture of church. I'm reading here from your article. Marriage. This is a beautiful picture of church of His bride and Christ as the groom. You know. If you think about it, marriage, the way God designed it, brings about, and we can attest to this, Bobby can, I can, Marty can, you can, that marriage, if it's done the way God designed it, it reflects a tremendous amount of forgiveness. It reflects a tremendous amount of respect and love unconditionally, love in the sense of the way Scripture defines it. For those who are listening, if you hear the word love, go check out 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hey, I know we're about to come to a break. I want to remind our audience to stay tuned because we're coming up about in August, beginning of August, we're going to have our first challenge for those for that are following by design. Yeah, this is our by design project where we're trying to uplift and promote and bring attention to God's design for marriage and family. So stay tuned. We'll be talking about this probably every week. For the foreseeable future, you can't talk about God's creation and God's design too much. Thanks, Wesley. Glad to be on. Thank you. All right. You're listening to AFA at the core. Second segment down. Go to afa.net forward slash by design to get articles, videos, and more information. We'll be back in a few minutes with more of AFA at the core. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. A lot of people don't like to think about heaven as a place of work, but eternal life is exactly that. But it's different because it's work that is removed from the curse of the fall of Eden. Heavenly Works, an article by Jordan Shambly. 
This is why we were created, and this is part of being made in the image of God. God is a working God, and we were created to do His work. To read this article and more, visit EngageMagazine.net. Who says you can't have your cake and eat it too? If you're like a lot of people, you would like to support the culture-changing efforts of the American Family Association. But there's the very pressing reality that your income must meet your current needs as well as act as seed for future income, either for the short term or for life. A charitable gift annuity might be your answer. A charitable gift annuity offers a unique method for both planning ahead for permanent income and supporting the work of the American Family Association. An AFA Foundation representative will walk you through the details of creating a charitable gift annuity, allowing you to decide if a charitable gift annuity is right for your individual financial situation. Connect with us today by calling 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit us online at afafoundation.net. A global flood. This is Ken Ham, an Aussie transplant with a passion for sharing the truths of God's Word. How did Christians view Noah's flood throughout church history? Well, Jesus and the Apostle Peter taught the flood was global. And the early church fathers, the medieval theologians, and the reformers, they all taught that the flood was global. One of the early church fathers, Tertullian, even taught that fossils of sea creatures were a result of the flood. So why did Christians throughout almost all of church history believe the flood was global? Well, because that's what the Bible very clearly teaches. The very recent idea held by some Christians of a local flood, instead of a global one, doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from the imaginations of man. Discover more about the truth of God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again at AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the last segment of AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman, yesterday I interviewed our very own Joy Lucius about her latest book about the Holocaust. It tells this uh, fictional narrative about two sisters and in the uh, separated by decades of time and the Holocaust. Uh, the name of the book is Priceless Pennies, Rose and Odette, Unknown Children of the Holocaust by our very own Joy Lucius. And you can go to resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net to order that book. And we still have some signed copies available. If you order, go ahead and order soon when uh, it's first come, first serve. So when the signed copies are over, when they're gone, uh, then then you won't get one. But uh, for right now, at least for today, you can still order and get a signed copy from Joy Lucius of her latest book about the Holocaust Unknown Children of the Holocaust is the subtitle of the book. It's about two sisters during the Holocaust. Excellent book. I've uh, looked through it. We had Joy on yesterday on the show to talk about it. So go to resources.afa.net and you can order it. We'll ship it out within the next day or two. We've got a very quick team there at a resource center and getting our resources out to our supporters and those who need it. Yesterday, I talked extensively about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And what we see going on right now, it's pretty apparent, is that the number of cases 
and hospitalizations and other uh, uh, statistics appear to be going back up uh, in certain states across the country. And as I mentioned yesterday, you know, this, the, 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 the concern for many people is, is trying to balance our rights, our constitutional rights as Americans with public health. And there are some out there that are willing, and they'll tell you this, they are willing to fully compromise and set aside core fundamental human rights, constitutional rights, in the name of public health. In the name of public health. And you can ask some of these people, and they will say that public health triumphs or trumps over everything, even the Constitution. Sydney, Australia, I'm going to play clip four here. This is Sydney, Australia. They have, listen to this, Sydney, Australia has, they just had 111 cases confirmed of the coronavirus in a, in a city or a region or a district of nearly 5 million people. 110 cases, 5 million people, and they are completely locking Sydney, Australia down. Listen to this uh, news report, clip four. Good evening. Within hours, Sydney will be in the grip of much tougher restrictions. The Premier clamping down on the stubborn Delta outbreak with what she's calling a no regrets policy. And this is why. From a record 82,000 tests, the state today recorded 111 cases and tragically the third COVID death in this outbreak, a man aged in his 80s from the city's southeast. Across Greater Sydney, retail shops will now close. A small list of essential stores can remain open. Construction sites across the city shut down. And from midnight tonight, 110 suburbs across Liverpool, Fairfield and Canterbury-Bankstown will be sealed shut. That's 900,000 residents who can't leave their area, even for work. Wow. Sydney, Australia. Bobby just did the math for me. He's better at math than I am, my producer, Bobby. And Bobby just came up with basically how many of people within Sydney, Australia, a place of roughly 5 million people, what what percentage that is when you have 110 uh when you have 110 people who have been diagnosed not hospitalized diagnosed with covid in out of 5 million people what percentage is that bobby enlighten us please nah, drum roll please <laughs> Point <laughs> zero, 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 two, two, two percent. wow so it, it Infinitely intestinal, <laughs> just it's just crazy. Yeah, th- this just is crazy. doesn't even register. No, and th- this is this is a huge area, and they're locking the entire thing down. I mean, they're closing businesses, uh, closing construction sites, <laughs> outdoor construction sites can't even continue. And of course, Australia they don't have uh, the same constitutional rights and liberties that we do here in America necessarily. Um, but this is, folks, this is the struggle. And I know there's a lot of frustration out there between people who are concerned about the COVID pandemic from a public health standpoint and people who are concerned about their constitutional rights. This is the conflict here. People do not want to fully capitulate 
to what the, quote, public health experts say, all in the name of public health, because it many in many instances, we will end up sacrificing uh, our constitutional rights. And we saw, we've been down this road before, we saw mayors and governors and other elected official, officials implement policies that were clearly unconstitutional. I'm talking about churches being shut down and closed to both indoor and outdoor worship services, all in the name of public health. And now we hear many people, not just Democrats, but people of, of all backgrounds and, and worldviews now saying that you shouldn't be able to go to the grocery store, you shouldn't be able to go to the movie theater, you shouldn't be able to go to the convenience store if you're not fully vaccinated and you don't have proof of vaccination. This is how serious it is. And so um, the, 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 I think the driving point here is that um, there, there is a reason people are hesitant here. People are, are a little shy and a taken back it is because we have to balance public health and being considerate of others with the Constitution and with our civil liberties. And it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing either way. I think we can do both. Uh, but we sure enough cannot uh, uh, sidetrack and get rid of our First Amendment rights all in the name of public health because here's the thing. Um, if we agree with it one time, we may not always agree with it. And what, what you and I think of as public health, someone else may interpret as something else. And we see where uh, certain states are issuing uh, certain governors or issuing issuing executive orders and calling racism a public health emergency and calling all kinds of other things public health emergencies that traditionally have not been known as public health emergencies but it gives these governments so much more power and it can be a dangerous path to go down so in in considerations of all of our uh, decision making and our public health decisions we need to remember that we do have a constitution and we do have civil civil liberties here in America. Last night, Joe Biden, the president, he participated in a CNN town hall, and it was terrible. It was terrible. And I was actually on social media talking or just reading some, some news feed items about what's going on for the evening. And Bill O'Reilly, the former Fox News host, was uh, tweeting out uh, something to the extent of, uh, there's only 30 minutes left, just bear with this bear through this with me and, you know, this will soon be over. I know this is painful. And I was like, what is he talking about? Well, he was talking about the Biden town hall. This, this town hall was, was cringeworthy. One moment, and we've, we've heard these clips, but I just got to play it again. This is our commander in chief. I'm going to play clip five here. This is Joe Biden really not making sense of his words. That's underway, just like the other question is illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. Yeah. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are, why can't the, the, the experts say, we know that this virus is in fact, uh, um, uh, it, it, it's going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. <laughs> yeah. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. Well, that means you mean for the FDA? For the FDA. Yeah. Bobby, 
Bobby, can you please provide interpretation? I've got nothing for you. <laughs> Uh, FDA, uh, doctors, um, you know, we should consider, uh, the, uh, <laughs> this is, uh, this is a concern folks. And, and this is not, I play that clip not to make fun of an elderly individual who happens to be our commander in chief. Although sometimes it is comical. I play that clip to let you know that America has apparently elected a commander-in-chief that is having trouble, that is having trouble, and this should concern us because this is the person that if we go to war, they're going to have the nuclear codes in front of them on a disk. They have to be able to make decisions in a quick fashion that are for the best interest of our country and our national, national and economic security. That is why I play that clip. And also, I saw pictures from within that town hall, and, and CNN could not fill up this auditorium. This was not a coliseum or a stadium. This was an auditorium. I don't know the precise number of seats available, probably several hundred, if not a thousand seats available. There were maybe a couple hundred people there. Basically, at least half of the auditorium was empty, if not more. And, it, and you want me to think, people want me to think that he got 80 million votes, nearly 81 million votes, when they can't get 1,000 people to show up for a town hall. That is, not, that is not unreasonable to question how many votes Joe Biden really got when they can't get 1,000 people or more to show up at a town hall for the president of the United States. So that's concerning. And we're going to be talking more about these forensic audits, these election integrity audits and laws across the country in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. And we've already discussed extensively what's going on in Arizona and Georgia, and we will continue covering those stories as they come about. There's a free speech victory out of California, this is from pjmedia.com. If you notice, at least 75% of the time, I try to cite uh, conservative or Christian news sources because we need to be leaning heavily on alternative news outlets because we cannot trust the CNNs of the world. This is out of PJ Media. On Friday, a California appeals court struck down part of Senate Bill 219 that was enacted in 2017 which required staffers in elder care facilities to use the preferred pronouns of transgender residents or patients. The court ruled that the transgender mandate codified in Health and Safety Code Section 1439.51, that means we have too many, uh, too many uh, health safety codes, <laughs> 1439.51, this court ruled that it violates the free speech rights of elder care staff. It was basically forced or compelled speech. The court rejected a challenge to another aspect of the law, however. And so this case in California is critical because the law was basically wanting, or it was, it was aimed at, at compelling speech, meaning if, a, if, a, if, a, if someone comes into this nursing facility and they are a biological male, and they are demanding to be called by their 
their fake pronoun that the nurses would have had to do that. That was the that was the aim and the goal of the law. And instead, this court ruled that unconstitutional or illegal. So that's a free speech win out of California, and I'm sure that will be appealed. Um, but this is not the – before the Obergefell decision in 2015, the narrative, the talking point of the left, of the sexual deviancy crowd, was a, a talking point, a narrative of live and let live. But as time went on, it has become, as time has gone on, it has become abundantly clear that this agenda, and not just the homosexuality and transgender agenda, but others pushed by the left and the godless, this agenda is not simply about live and let live. This agenda is more about forcing opposing viewpoints, forcing people who disagree with whatever the latest and greatest cultural trend is, forcing them to give up and capitulate their beliefs all in the name of sensitivity. And that is a dangerous path to go down. America was set up in such a way by our founding fathers that we should be able to have and hold opposing viewpoints without compelling speech for those we disagree with. That's a fundamental tenet of the Constitution and of our founding principles. We should be able to live in a country and allow other people to disagree with our beliefs without having to force them to capitulate and give up their sincerely held beliefs, whether it be religious or otherwise. That's a fundamental tenet of our beliefs. AFA at the core, American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. We'll be back tomorrow with more of AFA at the core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.